Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on Election Day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. And welcome to another episode of the PBL Podcast, also known as Politics and Brown Liquor. Of course, I'm here with my trusted canine, Woody. And as you all know, Woody is a dog. And dogs can't talk. But if Woody could talk, Woody would be telling you, as he often does, to get over to our website, the PBLpodcast.com. You will see all of our social media links there. Our social media handle is the PBL Podcast. But Woody's special ask, and he asks often this, is to click on our YouTube link and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We're going to be putting some unique content on YouTube. And Woody wants to make sure that you don't miss an episode. Anyway, on to the show. Listen, this is, um, you know, the DNCC Democratic National Committee Convention has, this is day three and oh my goodness. I tried to watch it last night. I really did. It was, it was depressing. It's so glum. It was just like the tones were dark. Everything was just like, oh my gosh. I mean, if you walk away from that, ep that, that, convention show last night, you would be thinking, and you took everything at face value, you'd be thinking, this is such a horrible nation. Oh my God, how could we be this bad off? So anyway, then it, when it started off with Kamala Harris setting the tone for that, I'm going to get to it in a minute, but first off, um, you know, last two days, been talking about what they've been doing with the uh, um, Pledge of Allegiance. Looks like they got it right last night. I mean, they did the same zoom in. They had all these people zoom in their parts of the Pledge of Allegiance. They mixed it all together. But everybody looked like they had their hand over their heart, et cetera. I'm, I'm wondering if they saw the first two days and figured out, wait a minute, we got to do something because this doesn't look good. So they finally got it on day three. And then Kamala Harris opens it up with a conspiracy theory. I I'm not kidding you. A conspiracy theory. Here, listen to this. So before I go on stage later tonight, I want to talk about the importance of voting. I know many of you plan to vote this year, but amidst the excitement and enthusiasm for this election, you've also heard about obstacles and misinformation and folks making it harder for you to cast your ballot. So I think we need to ask ourselves, why don't they want us to vote? Why is there so much effort to silence our voices? And the answer is because when we vote, things change. When we vote, things get better. When we vote, we address the need for all people to be treated with dignity and respect in our country. So each of us needs a plan, a voting plan. Joe and I... And she goes on from there to text, da, 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 to the text that they always do. So you need a plan. This is a common theme with the Democrats right now, a voting plan. 
in other words, they want to take you by the nose and lead you to the polls and vote who they want you to vote for. And I mean, but who, what are these obstacles she's talking about? Was it the post office? That's been debunked, but is that the obstacle? Who are they? They, they don't want you to vote. They, the infamous, they don't want you to vote. And, 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 and what happened? And when they vote, things change. The infamous they, she used it twice in two different contexts. Look, all she's doing, this is all by design. This is psychops. That's all it is, is the people that would be watching this would be going, oh, my God, the, the, the Trump administration, Donald Trump didn't want me to vote. Ah, they're stealing postal trucks. You know, it's just absolutely crazy. But this is what the Democrats do. And they did it throughout the whole night. So many of them talked about this having a plan, a voting plan. I mean, people know how to vote, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we've been voting for like, you know, over a couple hundred years. This isn't hard. This isn't difficult. But you got to have a plan because those evil Republicans are going to intimidate you. They're going to put up an obstacle. They're going to make it difficult for you to vote. Absolutely nonsense. But that was the start of the evening, and it didn't get any better from there. And it kept, they just kept on and on. So from, and then you got the opening presenter. Um, she brings up how blacks were. Uh, basically uh, uh, in the constitution written as three fifths of a person. So she, now this, this opening presenter, the narrator of the evening, the moderator, if you will, Carrie Washington, actress and convention moderator, basically comes out and tells everybody that in the constitution, it labeled blacks as three fifths of a person. Well, that's pretty inflammatory, isn't it? Oh my God, if you hear that, you're going to be thinking, what in the Constitution? That's horrible. That's horrible. Well, it's a lot deeper than what Kerry Washington wants everybody to. In fact, Kerry Washington doesn't know what she just said. She just read a script. She saw that on the script and agreed with it, but she doesn't understand the meaning of it. It was whoever was writing that script, they were doing it on purpose to, again, gin up emotion, gin up fear, and divide us by race even more so because it is the Democrats that divide this country by race. It is not the Republicans. And remember, when the Constitution was written, there really wasn't a Democrat party nor a Republican party, but the Democrats now will take any anything they can, nuance it in a way to make orange man bad, white people bad, uh, Republicans bad, and mm, Democrats good, Democrats for the people. It's just absolute nonsense. Now, the three-fifth compromise it was actually uh to control what the slave owners wanted what the slave owners wanted is they wanted uh slaves to have a full vote that way they would have a bigger representation so think about this a slave owner has a hundred slaves i know this is a hard conversation nobody likes to hear this but it's this is this is the best way to put it say they have a hundred slaves maybe that's a lot back then i don't know but we'll use the number 100 so that means if every every one of their slaves forget the race because it could be any color uh <clears throat> every one of their slaves would have one vote so if the slave owners wanted to control the government what would they do they'd buy more slaves because they'd own those people and they'd make them vote the way they wanted them to vote. So the three-fifth compromise was put in there to control the, the slave owners from getting, or to make sure that the slave owners didn't get control of all the legislative bodies. So 
this is total misrepresentation of how she mentioned how blacks were put in as three fifths of a person in the constitution. It's just not true. There's a lot deeper nuance there. And I'll put an article uh, in my show notes that explains that three fifth compromise and why it's in there and why it was actually at the time a good thing. Now the 15th amendment, I believe it was a 15th amendment washed all that away and everyone had the right to vote or males at the time. So, so it's just, this was the theme of the entire night is orange man, bad and Republicans bad. And this country has been against minorities since its inception. And then they went into a lot of gun control, gun violence. They address gun violence. Oh my God, Democrats and their gun control nonsense. Look at Detroit. Look at um, New York. Look at Austin, Texas right now. Look at Chicago. Democrats haven't been able to control gun violence in any capacity that they've been in charge of. None whatsoever. But now somehow they want the federal government to come in and control guns. How? Well, the only way that they believe you they can control your guns or control gun violence is to outlaw all guns. Now, they didn't say that last night, but that's what they meant. And think about that. A logical person would be thinking, wait a minute. If they outlaw all guns, then only outlaws would have guns. See, their argument falls apart just with that simple statement, because it's absolutely true. The gun violence that's happening in Chicago isn't happening from people who purchase their firearms legally. It's happening for people who purchase their firearms illegally or obtain them by illegal methods. Oh, my God, the Democrats. So but that's typical. We knew they were going to do that. But then they go into climate change and we knew they were going to do that. So climate change is bad. Everything's bad. Gun violence is bad. I mean, the whole the whole country's just gone to crap because they haven't been in power. And then, you know, immigration, too. They had a illegal immigrant family up there. They had the DACA, the dreamers up there. And oh my God, the poor, poor, pitiful, poor, the sob story just makes you want to open our borders and let everybody come in here. But that's the Democrats. That's what they do. It's gun violence is, you know, your fault. It's, you know, Mayor Lightfoot of Chicago basically said that gun violence in her city is because of other states allowing guns to come to her state. It's not uh, her policies, not Chicago, which has the tightest gun control laws in the nation. Nope. It's all your fault. If you're a conservative, it's your fault. You're preventing these people from, from you know, living their lives here in America legally. You're, you're preventing climate change, you naughty conservative. And you're the reason there's so much gun violence, you and your NRA absolute nonsense. So then we get to Hillary Clinton. Hey, Hillary Clinton, you know, <laughs> yesterday I talked to you about how Vox did a winners and losers, you know, Vox's winners, the youth, blah, 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 you know, typical platitudes rhetoric from the left, right? Winners, uh, uh, resistance moms, whatever that is. Uh, winners, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren, I'll get into her speech in a little bit. Uh, and, but the loser, <laughs> Hillary Clinton. So tw two days in a row, we have a Clinton. We had Bill the day before, Hillary last night, and Vox comes out. Hillary, loser. I told you the Democrat Party is starting to wake up that the Clintons are baggage. Once they realize that, and this may be that pivotal point that the Clintons are baggage, 
they're out of the picture, which I don't understand the Clintons they're, or I do. But, you know, they're so power hungry, at least Hillary is. And so she wants to stay in the limelight. They, they've cashed in. I mean, they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars now, so they don't need to do anything. In fact, they don't do anything other than spout rhetoric. But they want to Hillary wants to stay in the limelight for reasons that I suspect are what happens if Joe goes south with his cognitive abilities. Hillary is going to be waiting there in the wings, ready to pounce, to come in and save the day. I believe that's the only reason why she's staying in the news with the heart, with the hope, because, you know, Democrats, they love that word hope with the hope that she can come in and save the day when when um, Biden, Biden just loses it. Uh, and, and, and Hillary Clinton, by the way, in her speech, she used some of that rhetoric that you're hearing a lot. Here it is. After the last election, I said, we owe Donald Trump an open mind and the chance to lead. I really meant it. Every president deserves that. And Trump walked into the Oval Office with so much set up for him, a strong economy, which is not true, plans for managing crisis like a pandemic, which is also not true. So yes, we Democrats would have disagreed with him on many, many things, but if he had put his own interests and ego aside, if he could have seen the humanity in a child ripped from her parents at the border or a protester calling for justice or a family whose home was destroyed by a wildfire flyer who happened to live in a blue state, if he had even tried to govern well and lead us all, he might have proven us wrong. And that would have been a good thing for America and the world. I wish Donald Trump had been a better president. Like she would say anything positive about the president. P.S. Give it a rest, Hillary. You know you'd never say anything positive. But this is their rhetoric. The, the rhetoric right now, Obama goes into the same thing. Is uh, I, you know, I, I really wanted to, uh, you know, him to be a good president. But I'll get into his speech here in a bit too. But this is the rhetoric. The rhetoric is we Democrats really wished him well. We wanted him to be a good president, but he hasn't been. He's proven us all wrong. No, he has not. He's actually been a pretty decent president. Actually, he's been a pretty really good president with his judicial picks, with his deregulation. Prior to the pandemic, the economy was off the charts good, but no. Right now, with the pandemic, they have their angle that they could say this stuff. They can wedge the country. So the Democrats, the three things that they're going to do in this election cycle is wedge the country by race, which we all are seeing, wedge the country by the pandemic and use that pandemic to wedge the country based on the economy. So if the economy ticks up, and it has been, if it ticks up, Trump wins. End of story. I believe he's going to win anyway, but they're setting it up and they don't even realize they're setting it up by going after these things with Trump. If any of those three get better and we know race relations, they'll make sure it doesn't. But we also know that there is a larger black population right now that is supporting this president than before. And we also know that the economy is starting to tick back. So if those two things, race relations get better, economy gets better and, you know, the pandemic, they're going to continue to wedge that one, too. But if any, if any of those tick up and the economy is the key, Trump wins easily. But this is their rhetoric right now. You know, we Democrats, we are so fair. We wanted him to succeed. We, we were hoping he would turn out to be a good president. But oh, alas, he's not. He's just been a disappointment. So, but Vox, 
comes out with Hillary, loser of the evening. Uh, Nancy Pelosi spoke. I, I, I'm sorry. I couldn't bear. I just couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear watching her. I just couldn't. I mean, the rhetoric and the nonsense. So I'm sorry. I don't have anything for you with uh, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, again, I'm using um, cspan.org. They, they just put up a great menu and it's easy to use. If you want to go watch her speech, go watch her speech. I couldn't do it. It's the same nonsense rhetoric. They're all using the same stuff. You know, orange man, bad uh, people are dying because of this president. I mean, hell, look, Hillary Clinton brings up um, separating children from their, their parents at the border nonsense, which Obama was doing. And we all know that. Uh, now let's get to, you know, um, they, they, they have a bunch of other, um, people on here the between um hillary clinton pelosi elizabeth warren they brought up a bunch of people with more just nonsense rhetoric platitude after platitude after platitude but let's get to elizabeth warren elizabeth warren and her speech you know talk, just, for some reason people she's trying to align herself as she has a plan remember when she was running for president and remember when she lost that was glorious but anyway when she was running for president she's like i got a plan i got a plan for that i got a plan for that i got a plan for that that was that would turn a lot of people off so you know in in her speech she's talking about how joe's got a plan joe's got a plan for crap uh, and Joe, Joe doesn't have a plan for anything, but in her speech, she gave it in a classroom because she used to be a teacher until she wanted to cash in on government. And in the background, you see the letters BLM in those children block letters. So go look up in the video. You'll see it BLM. So over her left shoulder, you saw the word, the letters BLM. So the, the Democrats have completely put all their chips in on using, and I'm not saying put all their chips in with the BLM. No, they put all their chips in on using the Black Lives Matters um, movement group, if you will, to wedge the country on race. So, I mean, that's the biggest takeaway I got from Elizabeth Warren. Who likes to speak to Elizabeth Warren? By the way, Vox said she's the winner of the night. Of course they did. She's a far left lunatic. So, of course, they're going to love her. But it's just like, he doesn't. Biden doesn't have a plan. He doesn't have a plan for anything. I mean, go to his website. By the way, his website is absolutely horrible, just horrible. But his website, he you know, talks about the a plan for controlling the pandemic. Oops, sorry about that. There's there's absolutely nothing there. It's all platitude, platitude, platitude. I mean, he and for to say Biden has a plan. I mean. It, it, he basically regurgitates stuff that Trump's already doing. And one thing that he wants to do is set up some kind of group, pay a bunch of people to go around and check on the tracing, the contact tracing. It's just it makes no sense. I mean, what it would do is it would eliminate or take more of your rights. So do you really want a large government body coming around checking on you, your health? Do you really want a, I mean, here it says public health officials will need to conduct effective disease surveillance. That's in his plan. I'll read it, the whole paragraph and pull that part out. Uh, and this is Joe Biden, my plan to safely reopen America. And I mean, third, this third, I don't go into one and two because it doesn't matter. It's all platitudes. We have to make sure that our hospitals and healthcare systems are ready for flare-ups of the disease that may occur when economic activity expands again. Reopening the right way will still not be completely safe. See, says nothing, says absolutely nothing. It's nothing but platitudes, which is typical for the Democrats. Public health officials will need to conduct effective disease surveillance. Now, isn't that scary? 
public health officials will need to conduct effective disease surveillance. So part of his plan is for public health officials, whoever they are, he'll deem who they are, or the people that run his administration, because we know he won't be, will will need to conduct effective disease surveillance. And the last part of the paragraph, hospitals need to have the staff and equipment necessary to handle any local outbreaks, and we need to improve federal systems to get help to those places that needed pure platitudes, except this group of people that are going to conduct effective disease surveillances on the American people. This is this, this is the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party. And then, of course, their rock star, Obama, gave a speech. And uh, it was classic Obama. I mean, uh, I, don't, I did not count how many times he said I, but it was a lot of times. But he, he I mean... <laughs> here's what he said you know he said he's in philadelphia where the constitution was drafted here's a quote out of what his his speech that, uh, regarding the constitution it allowed for the inhumanity of slavery and failed to guarantee women and even men who didn't own property isn't that interesting the right to participate in the pit- pit- political process but embedded in this document was a north star so before i get to the north star so he said it allowed the, the Constitution allowed the, for the inhumanity of slavery because it didn't ban slavery in there, right? And and it, and matter of fact, Constitution didn't mention slavery and failed to guarantee women. Yeah, well, that did come about. And by the way, they all talked about uh, the 100th anniversary of suffrage, which was led by Republican. I might add, but this line and even men who didn't own property. Okay. There was nothing in the Constitution about owning property. Now, the Founding Fathers debated that, whether or not to make it uh, a tenant in the Constitution, that you had to be a property owner. And ultimately, what they came up with is they'd let the states decide. And back in that era, some states uh, decided that you had to be a property owner. But that all went to the wayside. Uh, After time... Uh, states all changed their rules of how they uh, were allowing people to vote. Like here in 1789, the Constitution grants the states the power to set voting requirements. 1790, the Naturalization Act of 1790 allows free white persons born outside of the United States to become citizens. So now they can vote. Between 1792 and 1838, free, free black males lose the right to vote in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. All right. Now the debate's really going on about slavery, yada, 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 and uh, who can vote, who can't vote. In 1792, 1856, abolition of property qualification for white men from 1792, Kentucky, to 1856, North Carolina, during the periods of Jeffersonian and Jacksonian democracy. So, you know, uh, were we a perfect nation? Are we a perfect nation? No, no, and no. That's why our Constitution was designed to set up for the amendments to change. So our Constitution is set up for change. But I thought it was just really curious that he would infer that because most of the people that are watching the Democratic Convention have no idea what he meant by that. And even today, the way we vote for our president is set up by each individual state. There is no federal law allowing for the vote voting of a president. It's all done by the states. A state can, I mean, and they're not going to do this, but they can change it and do it any way they want. They could set it up where it'd be a group of people sitting around roasting marshmallows decides who they're going to send their electoral votes to. So it, it's a state's thing, and the Democrats absolutely hate that. But what Obama is doing here 
is he's trying to again wedge there's the wedge the poor from the elite the minorities from the whites because you know whites obviously are uh, the majority and they're bad because they're the majority and then he goes but embedded in this document was a north star now if you go and look at the logo for the democrat national committee convention it's a d 20 and in that D's a star. So nothing happens in a vacuum with the Democrats. Everything is um, it done by committee or it's done because it's polled and it's tested. It's all about the messaging. The Democrats are very good about consistently staying on message as a group. And their message may not be great and it, and it may be obvious. And I'm seeing a lot of obvious messaging right now. But when he mentioned there was a North Star, he meant that would guide, I'll read it, that would guide future generations, a system of representative government, a democracy. And he tied it into the presidency. So then you go look at the Democrat logo, D20, and there's a star embedded in the D between the 20. This They're trying to get people subconsciously <coughs> to see that Trump is is the problem. Trump is the reason for your woes. The president of the United States holds all the power over your life. He is your North Star. So you need, if you're unhappy, elect Biden, Joe Biden. So that's what they're doing. It's all about messaging with the Democrats. But um, I, I personally think Obama is a horrible speaker, and I thought he was a horrible speaker last night. Now, he also talked about how he wished Trump well. And I don't believe it for a minute, but here's what he said. I never expected that my successor would embrace my visions or continue my policies. See, that's the same thing Clinton said, too. I never thought that they'd follow me. Or they, you know, and We knew he was a Republican and he wouldn't do the same thing we did. So they, they both have said this. I did hope for the sake of our country, that Donald Trump might show some interest in taking the job seriously, that he might come to feel the weight of the office and discover some reverence for the democracy that had been placed in his care, but he never did. Uh, and he goes on to say, Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job because he can't. This is from a former president of the United States. And that just is unprecedented that a former president would attack a current president to such an extent. But this is Obama we're talking about. This is a crass individual. You know, I often said that Trump's kind of a crass guy. Obama's just a jerk. I mean, this is unprecedented that he came and he slammed Trump pretty hard. I mean, he's, he's, he's speaking to the base because they need the base. They're throwing so much red meat out to the base because otherwise uh, the base is going to leave him. And he went on to talk about Joe. This is a funny comment about Joe. I'm going to fast forward ahead because I'm tired of talking about Obama. But he, <laughs> I thought this was funny. He said, for eight years, Joe was the last one in the room whenever I faced a big decision. He made me a better president. Now, what does he mean by Joe was the last one in the room? Was he always late or was he the last one there to turn out the lights? I'm not sure what exactly he meant by that. So, uh, and he said, Joe will help rescue the economy like Joe helped me do after the Great Recession. It was the longest recovery in the history of America. So anyway, just uh, in, in the whole the whole night was like that. The whole night was just glum. And now, <laughs> the next thing I thought was kind of funny, and I'm always looking for like the uh, humor in this. So uh, where do you get a load of this? 
So then the next portion is the, the finale. It's Kamala, I can't get her name right because Joe's got me all confused. Kamala Harris gets up and gives her big finale presentation. Uh, it was boring. I'm not, I mean, there was nothing substantial in it. I mean, it was just a big nothing burger and just about as boring and uninspirational as just un, you can imagine. And I, I think it was a couple of things. One, she's not a dynamic speaker. She's just not. Two, she's given it in this room that's basically empty. There's some pool reporters in there. And then there was a few people sitting in chairs. I don't know what they were doing. I know one guy I saw was on his computer. But here is the funny part. At the end of it, Joe Biden comes out. <laughs> and uh, he, he's sleepy Joe, right? He is, he is moving a little slower. I'll give him that. So they come out. They've got a screen there when Kamala you know, ended her speech. And they've got a screen there with all these people clapping, you know, virtual zoomed in. And she's waving to him. So Biden comes out. He, re, he opens his arms for a hug. Obviously, they're not going to hug because the COVID keeps them far apart. So that looked kind of weird. But the, the best part was now he faces to what? Uh, it's not really the screen earlier that Kamala was waving to with all the people waiting because that's now turned off. He faces where all the reporters are with their cameras. They're all on their knees taking pictures of all this and he's waving to them and he's pointing to them like he knows somebody to him and he's like motioning to them and they're all just taking the pictures and I'm like, Joe, 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 th those guys are just cameramen. They're, that's not an audience, Joe. And it just, it looked bizarre. It just looked bizarre. So you got to go see that part. And just it, 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 to me, that was like, Joe, 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 those people there, they're, they're pool reporters, Joe. Don't, 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 don't wave to them like it's a crowd there. And he points to them. You know how they do how these politicians always do that, by the way. They always got to point to somebody like, oh, yeah, I know that guy over there. Hey, good to see you. Yeah, I didn't know you'd be there. Thanks for coming. It was just awesome. Awesome. So just an absolutely awful day three in my opinion i mean it was glum it was depressing it was nothing but orange man bad orange man bad and it was about as fake as fake can be now hey i'm you know when the republicans do theirs next week they're also doing the virtual convention so you know i i don't know how they're gonna do any better but i can't see how they can do any worse i mean this was just god awful just awful so we have one more day and then uh biden we got his big finale his speech and you know there's one other thing too that i'm i'm curious about on the screen as you're watching it uh you're watching it live and on the screen it doesn't say live in the upper uh usually what right hand left hand corner it said tonight when it was pre-recorded it said nothing but when I don't know if it was supposed to be live. It just said tonight. It didn't say live, which I, I found curious. So I wonder how much of this was actually pre-recorded. You know, they got a little flack, they being the D's and the DNC, they got a little flack for it being pre-recorded the prior two days. So the, I, now they got to say, well, no, 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 some of this is going to be live. Well, I'm not so sure it was live because it's just weird that icon, it said tonight. Didn't say live, it said tonight. And the, the recording of it says tonight. So just uh, one of those little mm, make you think, things that make you go, hmm, moments. Anyway, if you can muster it, uh, and I don't recommend it, the day four is coming up, and we will see how they do, if they can do any better. Joe's speech is the speech to watch. So let's see 
let's see if he can get through it for one thing. And, you know, let's see, can, can Joe deliver an exciting speech and get his base riled up? Cause they got a problem. The Democrats have a problem. All three days have been pandering and placating to BLM all three days. They have, and mentioned throughout all three days how I should say inferred how blacks are oppressed uh, and how bad it is for minorities and that orange man bad will just be worse. We can't allow this to continue. So they are worried. The biggest takeaway I see from these first three days is how worried the Democrats are that they're losing part of the black vote. Remember, if they lose just 15%, they're done. They are done. Thank you for listening to this episode of the PBL podcast. Uh, Woody has that ask for you. Please visit our website, pblpodcast.com. Click on our YouTube link and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. So you will get alerts to when we put out some new content. And we've got a lot of things planned to start putting out on YouTube, different content from the podcast. So look forward to that and, uh, you know, make a dog very happy. Uh, food makes Woody very happy, too. But since this is... Um, over a podcast, you can't really feed him, but the dog just loves food. I mean, it's amazing. And he's thin, very thin. Anyway, again, thank you for listening to this episode of the PBL Podcast. Have a wonderful day, and I will talk to you soon. <laughs>